0: Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Woo! All right, yeah, Dragon Talk. Woo. Very excited for our three hundred and second. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, think I can't maybe believe I, can't,
0: I don't know how to count anymore.
1: I just I'm glad that we have a benchmark now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right for the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast here. I'm Greg Tito, and Shelly Mazenoble is here as well.
1: Hello. Indeed, indeed.
0: We have a wonderful returning guest. Kate Welch is coming back to talk about her dungeon mastering for D and D live with the Comedians Table, Last Odyssey, Lost Odyssey, Last Light table, which is coming during D and D live on July sixteenth and seventeenth. It is going to be fantabulous. She is Dungeon Mastering for a slew of celebrities, including Jack Black, Reggie Watts, Lauren Lapkus, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, <gasps> and a no. secret person. And a special, special guest. I know. I can't wait to reveal who the special guest is. It's,
1: I mean, it's friggin' huge.
0: It's huge. It's friggin' huge.
1: <laughs> friggin' huge, dude. <laughs>
0: So that's exciting. She also uh, recently dungeon mastered for uh, the Lambert House special on Penny Arcade in support of LGBTQIA youth. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that. And you can still get your uh, Lambert House Pride t-shirts, one of which I'm wearing right now. Beautiful. Uh, All the proceeds to those sales go to supporting uh, uh, the Lambert House, which is a fantastic charity here in Seattle. Um, and uh, we talk a little bit about dungeon mastering and how it makes sense in the context of the fun. Some of the funniest people uh, in in entertainment.
1: She's super talented. Yeah, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite dungeon masters. Because I mean, to hold your own in uh, a group of not just people that you are not familiar with, that you haven't really spent a lot of time with, but with very, very talented, creative. Celebrities, I mean, and she's yeah. just right there in the mix. She's just, she's one of them. So, I want to hear what the secret sauce is there. How does she do this?
0: Right. So you get to learn all about that in our interview segment here. Um, but that's not the only thing that's happening during D and D Live. You'll get lots of information about upcoming books from D and D, including the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which we have given basically no information on so far, other than the amazing covers. Um, and that it's a Feywild adventure. You'll learn from Chris Perkins what that one's all about. You'll learn from uh, Amanda Hamon about uh, uh, Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, which is a crossover book uh, set in the Magic the Gathering plane of Strixhaven, which is a, uh, a, a, a magic college. A magic college? A magic college. I know, I had to say that in a British voice, right? You have to, yes. um, You'll also learn about some other fun Dungeons & Dragons products at D&D Live on July 16th and 17th on G4 and all of the twitch.tv uh, slash d fun stuff uh, there that we haven't talked about yet. So you get some more information on new fun D&D products coming out. Products
1: and promotions.
0: Promotions, right. As, as uh, uh, Shelly takes a bit of uh, candy and puts it in her mouth.
1: Mm, delicious. Uh, um
0: also D&D celebration. Uh we'll announce some really fun things then too.
1: We will. For D&D and, Live. And speaking of D&D celebration, also at D&D Live we will announce who our 10 finalists are for that dungeon, at, yes. Oh, sorry. No,
0: the no, dungeon no, master
1: challenge. Challenge. Uh, <laughs> the entries uh, have been received and we have our uh, esteemed panel of of Reviewers going through hundreds and hundreds of them, um, each selecting their faves, and we will cull that list down to ten. And to find out who those Just ten one. are, you will have to tune in to D and D Live and find out. That's it, maybe, amazing. I mean, that's you might maybe you've made entered the contest and maybe you you made the cut. I
0: don't know. That's right, um, to listeners. You will find out then.
1: I can't wait to see who those finalists are. I know that. Um, there, have, there are all, tons and tons and tons of great submissions. So it is not an easy feat to narrow that field down, but
0: um, there will be 10. I'm imagining the judges of this contest in a large room that's like hermetically sealed and it's got lighting all around it and they're like going through these submissions like they're looking at like scrolls and, and things like that in order to test their, their, their fantastical worth.
1: Yes, there's a lot of dice rolling. Yeah, like let's see if know. this
0: one makes the cut. Yep. Nope.
1: Oh, That's exactly how the review process is. And then there's <laughs> also a, the a, a briefcase that will um, be locked and escorted onto um, Toby Maharis, who's our event manager, um, his yeah. front door with the, um, the, the top 10 names inside. Some, uh, with the accountants from Deloitte, we have to have. I think. I was like, maybe we can just get some some people from our finance department to just walk <laughs> it over there. <laughs>
0: they're the only ones who have suits, so they have to wear the suit and make it look like they're uh, they're professionals.
1: <laughs> it's very very profesh,
0: So I can't wait to find out all about that, uh, as well as all the great content that's going to be happening during D and D Live. We mentioned there's at least four Dungeons Dragons tables going out. We've announced a whole bunch, uh, and they are exciting. We might even give you even more information about them here, including one uh, that is involving Patton Oswalt and some of his cast members from EP Bio. That's right. They'll be playing together, and then there will also be a wonderful group made up of uh, some of the folks from G4 playing together. We're really excited about that, including some some really... uh, big-name uh, streamers uh, from uh, the video game side of things joining that table. And then there's a WWE superstar table Dungeon Mastered by Abria Iyengar, which uh, has some uh, fantastic folks like uh, WWE superstar Ember Moon and Xavier Woods and Tyler Breeze and some other fun people uh, enjoying, joining the game. Oh, my gosh.
1: That that is always a treat when that group gets together, so I would watch them all day. Every day,
0: I am ready for this. And then Adventures from the Forgotten Realms, uh, the Magic the Gathering set that comes out in July, July 22nd, for tabletop fans. There'll be a talk about that as well and all the fun cards that are being previewed there. Uh, Man, I have been loving seeing the way... Dungeons and Dragons uh, concepts and lore and and artwork is being translated to the magic card format. It just yes. looks so cool, and I can't wait to play that set.
1: And it's cool because I'm seeing a lot of magic players who are saying, "I haven't tried D and d yet, but I will." And conversely, a lot of D and D players that are like, haven't dipped into the world of magic yet, but I think I'm gonna have to with this set. I just like to see like the worlds are coming together. And there is a lot to love for both Magic players and uh, D&D players in there.
0: Yeah. And uh, what's funny, some of the three of the hosts of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, or D&D Live 2021, uh, were recently in a promotional video uh, from our Magic friends, B. Dave Walters, Mika Burton, and Becca Scott. Uh, We'll be there at D&D Live as presented by G4 uh, talking all about this stuff, but they are the perfect group of people who would be interested in both of those things and combining the chocolate and peanuts and uh, the confectionery metaphors of all of those things going together. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So if you haven't seen that, check it out on the uh, Magic the Gathering Twitter uh, feed to see uh, some folks who have been D&D stalwarts really jumping into Magic the Gathering stuff and vice versa, as you were said, Shelley.
1: Yep, very cool.
0: Um, One final thing about about D&D Live before we kick it to our segment and then talk to Kate is that each one of the tables that we're presenting there are all for different charities in support of uh, various fun things. We'll give more information on that, but uh, the fact that uh, you'll be able to also support a really great cause uh, during... D and D Live is uh, something that I we did a big big deal with last year with Red Nose Day, and now we're uh, diversifying into many different groups uh, to be able to uh, you know continue to to galvanize the D and D community about not only learning about fun things that we're excited about playing, uh, but to also you know kind of give back to the community. And I think that's a thing that we're going to be going uh, more and more of uh, with uh, with D and D going forward. I love that. Yeah. Right. And can't go wrong with supporting things like Extra Life and Connor's Cure and all the fun stuff.
1: No, definitely. And we know our community is very generous.
2: So,
0: yeah, let's keep that generosity going as we welcome uh, Shelly to another How to DM segment.
1: Uh, I had so much fun talking to Connie Chang uh, that they were gracious enough to come back for round two. And we are going to talk about how to incorporate character backstories into the campaigns. Something that we've talked about before, but there are so many tips and tricks and and Dungeon Masters like to do it differently that I felt like this was a topic that was worth revisiting. So uh, take a listen to some of more. Really good, inspiring ways in which to incorporate uh, character backstories into your campaigns. Welcome to How to Be a Dungeon Master. I have a special guest who is back by popular demand. The people wanted more, Connie Chang. And Connie has graciously agreed to be back with us for another segment. Um, Mm -hmm. For those of you who may not be familiar with Connie, I don't know how that's possible now. Uh, Connie is the Dungeon Master for the wonderful, incredible, all-transgender D&D stream Transplaner RPG. Um and as I have recently discovered, just an absolute wealth of information on many topics re- related to dungeon mastering. So we had to have you back. I'm sorry. That's
3: it's kind of on you. It's it's all good. This is what I signed up for. I knew it coming in. Let's go. All right. So today we are going to talk
1: about incorporating player backstories into your campaigns. It is a conversation I uh, we've we've had before on this segment. Um we've and it's an important one um and there's lots to to dissect here and and a lot of dungeon masters do it differently, so i think there's there's always uh, it's always a good conversation to have i know i've talked about this before my first experience with d and d there was no incorporation of backstories there w- even though i kept like trying to like I didn't even know it was a thing, but I just kept trying to like throw my character's stuff into the story and it, it would just get pushed aside our um our group didn't really have any um, in, like, uh, formal relationships that the Dungeon Master established. Um, we kind of came up with a few on our own just because it felt natural to do that. And then the second time I played D&D, it was a completely—or uh, with a different D&D group. It was a completely different experience where I was asked to create a backstory and as was everyone else, we were asked to come up with one way that we knew at least one person in the group. Uh, and that all of this came up into the story and it was a completely different experience for me. I, as a player, became way more invested um, in in the campaign, in the group. I, I loved having these personal relationships with NPCs or with towns or with um, the other players in my group. So I love player backstories. I love when dungeon masters do creative things with them. I think maybe a new dungeon master might be hearing this and think, "Um, that sounds like a lot of work." And <laughs> I already am doing a lot of work as a dungeon master, and now you want me to sift through pages and pages and pages of backstories and figure out ways to drop these nuggets into my campaigns. Um, and to that,
3: I have a feeling you would say, "Yes, yes, I do." <laughs> Yeah, that is, you're absolutely right, Shelly. You're a psychic because that is my response. Yes. (laughs) But I do think there is a way uh, to prep your session and session notes as well as to prep your campaign uh, that doesn't like Make you burn out as a GM trying to juggle all these balls in the air, right? Um, and I think a lot of it comes at a session, comes during session zero, uh, and during consistent check-ins with your players to make sure you're all on the same page. I just Ooh. sort of go off, but if you had like a specific question, I would also answer it. Okay, no, let's do it. Let's just have you go off. Great. Awesome. What you said earlier about the very like one of the first D&D campaigns you were part of, like your backstory just wasn't a part of the equation at all. I really feel for you um, because I see myself uh, as like a newbie DM when I first started DMing being that DM who like didn't really care about my players' backstories, right? I was like, I've got this story. Like, y'all are going to sign on to it. There's going to be a plot hook, and whether or not your backstory comes up is going to depend on the trajectory of the campaign. Um, and I think that was a mistake. Uh, especially considering the players that I had at that table who were all very role play focused, um, and very like acting focused as well. Another mistake, this is uh, talking about tone at the table, is they were all interested in a comedy campaign, but I try to force a horror campaign down their throats. Uh, Ooh. so that didn't really work out. Um, I've learned a lot, basically. I've come a long Lots way. Lessons. <laughs> yes, in my DMing journey. Uh, and I would say during session zero, before you even start like really seriously planning for your campaign, I like to do something, I like to ask a unique question to each of my different tables depending on the pitch of the campaign, right, uh, that relates to their backstory. So to bring up an example from Transplanar RPG, which is the odd trans uh, D&D actual play stream that I'm a part of the show that Shelley you mentioned earlier, uh, the question that I asked all four of my PCs during session zero is, tell me about something that something earth shattering that happened to your character seven years ago. And each of them had like a specific, but different event that like shaped their character's life uh, seven years ago. And this, the reason why it was seven years and why it had to be earth shattering and uh, typically bad, right. Uh, was related to stuff I was planning in the main campaign, but that they didn't get to like discover until like session three or four, right? Um, so I would say look at the specific bones of your unique particular campaign. Cause I know like 80% of y'all homebrew stuff, right? Which is awesome. Um, and think of a specific backstory question that you could ask each of your PCs, to give them some common ground, even if you're coming from a perspective of, oh, our PCs are strangers who meet in a tavern session one, which is fine, right? Uh, Or if you want them to have known each other and been traveling together already, and that's where you drop them in session one, no matter what, think of a unique question, or several, right, uh, tailored to the premise of your particular campaign, uh, and, and ask that question during session zero. That would be my first piece of advice.
1: So you're asking it in front of the player, like none of this will be secret. To the other players?
3: I asked... All of them know that they're answering this question, but they all gave me secret, secret answers. Oh, okay. They all... Okay. Yes. Yes. And, uh, whether or not you want to keep the secret is up to you and up to like what your players are interested in. If they like a little bit more mystery, if they want to like keep their backstory secret a little bit, definitely ask for like, oh, just DM me or like answer on Discord or like text it to me. Right. Um, but it can be helpful if they all know that they're answering the same question. You can also yeah. play around with like giving them different questions, right? Depending on like their class or depending on like the character concept they're fiddling with. Um, but that's a great way, I think, to start not only like, Already thinking of ways to incorporate your players' backstories into the campaign, um, but also so you don't have to, you know, you you plan for this, right? This is part of your prep. It's not like you taking on extra work, right? Like you know that this is going to be part of your campaign, so you don't, you know, have to worry about burnout so much on that front. So um,
1: the question about. You want me to do this? It seems like a lot of work. Okay, that's actually my question. That was me.
3: <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair.
1: I, the more I thought about it, the more I started thinking, well, maybe they're actually, they might be doing some of the work for me. Mm-hmm. If Like depending on how detailed their backstories get or uh, maybe I'm asking specific questions so that I, maybe I if I ask them about a location, for instance, mm-hmm. and they provide me with a lot of details on that location, couldn't I just set some of my uh story in yes. that location?
3: <laughs> yes, 100%. Use what okay. your players give you. Right? Like that is, so that just like helps you not have to, you know, overstress about prep for sure.
1: Right. So I um, I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about building this, location now because yes. the player has built it, and also they're getting something out of it too because they must have some emotional attachment to this.
3: A 100%. Place. There's okay. already that built-in player buy-in because they came up with it, right? Um, so players will sometimes give you, in like TTRPG play terms, like knives, right, uh, which are um, emotional things that they hand you that you can stab them with, right? But oh, so I- a player comes up with a tragic backstory, they're like, this NPC, Wronged me, burned down my village. Uh drop the NPC in. You know, like they are literally handing that to you on a silver platter, right? And you can ask guiding questions during session zero and even beyond session zero, right? Just pop into their DMs and be like, hey, based on right? if this is a persistent campaign, but you're trying to think of ways to infuse backstory more into what you've already built up. Um ask guiding questions, ask for knives straight up. Like you can even like If you know your paladin, right, has like an acrimonious relationship with their father, I'd be like, all right, like player, like I'm going to DM you on the side, like this next session upcoming, I'm really interested in that. Why don't you tell me about one of your father's mistresses? Right. They're like, mistress, what? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. (laughs) tell me about her. You know about her. And they will, I Uh I swear to you, they will give you a a Uh, juicy description (laughs) that you can use against them next session. Like leading questions. That's, that's really like a, a big part of this, I think. So, do your
1: do your players know? And is it the right thing to do to tell them that like anything they say and do can be used in a
3: campaign against them? I think as long as we're all on the same page about it, it should be good. Um, yeah. I know it. Different players also have like different. Uh, I think approaches of um, protectiveness over their PCs, or like, um, like, no, I don't think my father would have had a mistress. You know, or like, no, you know, I don't think my father was mean in this way. I think it, he was mean in that way. Right. Right. So, um, I know that I've definitely played at tables with player characters who are like, when I'm like portraying an NPC from their backstory, uh, I would say like 99% of the time they really like what I do, but there's that 1% of the time with that one character, with that one player who's like, mm, I don't think you did that right. You know, like that's my NPC from my backstory and that's not how I imagine them to act. Right. And I think in like those situations when you're really trying to incorporate backstory into the campaign and your players for some reason don't like it, you know, or they're particularly, I think, possessive over their backstory or their character, that's a good time to like break out an out of character conversation about like what your responsibilities are as a GM versus what their responsibilities are as a player. Right. Because I think my response in that situation would be like, I hear you and you probably played this character in other campaigns as well. That's the most common situation for this. Um, but this is our campaign, right? I'm the GM here. These are the other players you're with. And I would really appreciate it if you gave me some grace and some flexibility to interpret this NPC in my own particular way, right? Um, yeah. that is like a good, that's a response that I think has played out well for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I forget what your original question was. I'm so sorry, Shilly, I just sort of went off. Went I off forget a too.
1: I think <laughs> about asking it like, letting them know that mm. whatever you put in the backstory could potentially come back to them because, like, you're bringing up a good, mm. a good example with the person when, like, your father had mistresses, and like, maybe mm. that's like, oh, like, that's gutting to the like the thought of that. Yeah, um, and like, you've actually like, che- that could change a very big part of. Them as a character yeah, and like you like, know, so I guess just more of like how do you dance around that line? Like you want totally. to you want to be surprising and you want to have mm-hmm. these great story
3: hooks, but you also don't want to you know, really cross the line for the player. Hundred percent. A dance is a really great way of putting it. Uh, obviously, having safety tools in play, so like your players can x card anything you do if they're like, I really don't want to deal with a mistress uplout. Well, like, please don't do that. Great. That's fine. They can exit, right? Like my, I make it clear to my players, they can always veto what I do. Um, I just might have to like take some time to pause and take a break and think of like ways to write around or like plan around the veto, right? Um, something else is just knowing your players and knowing the kinds of stories they're interested in, right? Like, for example, uh, my partner who's in, uh, Transplaner with me, uh, as a player, they're really interested. They're like, here, have all the knives stab my character with them. I invite <laughs> you to make me cry. So I know sort of with my partner C, like it's no holds barred. Like pretty much anything and everything's fair game. But I also, because I know my player as a person, I also know what their hard lines are, right? So I right. would never throw anything to do with like, um, like alcohol addiction, right? To them, because I know that's just like a straight up line they have, right? But outside of that and like other things, several other things as well, like anything's fair game. Meanwhile, for one of my other players, right? They're like, I, they're very, they very specifically have a line around like memory loss. So even though there was like an arc in our stream that kind of dealt with memory loss, I made sure that it was never affecting their character and never, never came up in their backstory as well. Um, so like, whenever I'm like planning things that I feel like could be gray area, I always check in in like a spoiler free way with my players first. I'm like, Hey, I'm planning these things for your backstory to come up in the campaign without spoiling anything for you. Would be, would you be okay with these themes? And I lay out the themes that I'm, I'm dealing with. Uh, so for example, like parents lying to you. Right. About what you thought was truth. Uh, or like, uh, one of your parents dying in an unexpected way. Right. Would you be okay with that? And they'd be like, what? Yes. But now I'm fearful. <laughs> like now I'm scared. What do you mean? Right. Um, so yeah, I think as long well as you're like checking in and you know your players and you're using safety tools, you have an uh, updated document of their lines and veils. Um, then I think, I think you can go for it. Right, I think players also, generally speaking, are really excited when GMs go for it, right, and bring up their backstory in unexpected ways.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, good. Good to know. All right. Do you have other? Do you want to go launch into like your next bullet here? (laughs) I don't. I don't have anything. Go for it, Shelley. Okay. So we talked about that. Well, you're kind of answered a ton of my questions here. Um. Okay. Do you encourage the players to work together on any element of their backstory, or um, is it just
3: very much siloed? I think this really depends on the premise of your campaign. Um, My experience with Transplaner, they pretty much came up with one to three at session zero. My players came up with one to three character concepts, and they pitched it to the table at large. You know, one oh. by one, we went down, we were like, I have these three characters I'd be interested in playing in this stream campaign, here they are, here's a little pitch, here's a little spiel about their backstory, a little bit, like, two to three sentence, like, idea. And we as a group, like, basically voted on, like, the the pitches that we were most interested in from each player, right? Oh. Um, yeah, we had like a cool. kind of like open freeform discussion. And then after our like actual final character concepts were solidified, they went off in their own separate quarters and came up with more fleshed out backstories. Right. And then they answered that um, session zero question I had, which is what happened seven years ago. Right. That was like earth shattering. Um, that was the extent of collaborative character creation for them uh, because. All four of my players said they were interested in meeting for the first time during episode one. So they oh. didn't want to know each other, right? Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's why they went off into their own corners and, like, worked on it alone. If if my players had uh, expressed a desire for them to all be part of the same mercenary group or, like, all part of the same, like, civilian militia or had like the same connecting thread in their backstory, then that would be an absolutely different scenario. Like then I would make character creation a lot more out in the open and a lot more collaborative. So I think it depends on the premise. And one of the first questions I do think you should answer as a group, especially if you're playing D uh during session zero, is do you want to have known each other before session one? Because that will really shape how you do character creation. So that kind of
1: touches on something too. I wanted to talk about. Are there, do you have a list of like must haves for a backstory? Like what, what things should you just say players? I need this list from you, if nothing else.
3: Uh, that is a great question. Uh, my, answer actually to that is no. I know okay. some GMs have a every campaign give me two NPCs like one of them that you that that helps you one of them that hurts you right I like, can give me like like one thing that a secret you know and like a rumor yeah and I know like some GMs have that list right but I actually don't uh, because the way I like to prep my campaigns is very premise and player dependent. Right. Uh, so for an example, I'll give a one-shot that I ran recently, uh, on F and Funny's channel, uh, for Abria Yangar, Gabe James Games, Critical Bard, and Christina Ariel. Uh, I had, it was like a level 20 Green one-shot. I know, there. right? It was amazing. I'm literally, <laughs> literally still reeling from it. I'm gonna name drop them whenever, wherever yeah. I go, every, every podcast I'm on. Um, the premise that I'd pitched was the four of you are reincarnated demigods fighting the same eldritch beast that just that killed you and destroyed your home plane like that was it so like in terms of like backstory i all i asked for them was um what were your domains right what were the demigod of give me up to two and just as long as there's no crossover we're fine um as well as i get there were four players so i i popped four questions into the chat, first come, first serve. I had them collaboratively build the world based on their backstories, right? So the first question I had was something like, what is, the, what is the full name of your home plane? The second one was like, what is something beautiful about your home plane? The third one was, what is something terrifying about your home plane? The fourth one was like, what is something unique about your home plane? And like first come, first serve, they each just grabbed the ones they were interested in or what was left over. And they came up with, they built the world from those prompts, like from those seeds, they just completely brushed it out and discovered backstory through play. But that's a unique situation because it was streamed and it was a one-shot. Um, so if it's like a home game that's a persistent campaign, um, I would say you really can't go wrong with asking for names. Ask them for NPCs that have wronged them uh, or that have loved them in some way. You want to use like really active, strong verbs when thinking about how PCs could relate Uh To to the, uh, NPCs could relate to the player characters. Uh, two to three NPCs is a great place to start. Um, anything more than that, and I start to lose track, especially because you have four players and like two to three NPCs per player. That's like 12 NPCs already. That's enough. That's like enough for like an arc, right? Of your campaign. Like you don't need to do any other work. Just use those NPCs that they gave you in your backstory, right? Um, I also always like to come up with, um, like a secret right? That like HPC has, like, what is something that you don't want to get out? Like, what is something that you've either done or that like a, a like a, a secret about you that would destroy your life if it came out? Like that's, and obviously send it to me secretly. Right, right. Uh, as well as like another interesting question could be like, what is a rumor? Right, that other people might have heard about your PC. Right, what is uh, Ooh, that's something fun. about your PC? Yeah, it's that's always a lot of fun. Like, what's something about your PC's reputation that precedes them? Right, and that could like help, especially if you're trying to do like a our PCs are strangers to each other situation. They could have heard of each other, if not like actually interacted with with each other. Um, and this isn't so much a backstory, but is more about like. Uh, guiding RP and pl- play. I always like to ask for f- uh, three flaws as well. um, As well as like, what is your PC's greatest dream or like goal or hope, right? Uh, and what's, and like three fears that they might have as well. Uh, just to sort of like help me design encounters and whatnot.
1: I like it. And that's, that actually touches on something else that I was thinking about. It's one of the things I loved about fifth edition was, the addition of the flaws and the backgrounds and, like, all of these great little elements that mm. if you are having trouble coming up with a little bit of history about your character, you can just create it on the spot. Totally. Um So typically when I think about a backstory, I think about, like, paragraphs and paragraphs of, like, details about my character. But the character sheet can also provide a lot of that information for the Dungeon Master just based on, like... flaws the backgrounds the um maybe the equipment that they choose to carry like this is like a very special dagger that was handed down to them from somebody or um the skills that they're they're trained in if they're like really are very very good at deception why why is that um so do you do you use any elements of the character sheet to inform some other elements of backstory
3: that's really interesting, uh, question, Shelly, because I find that those character quirks are, tend to be discovered during play. Uh, sometimes I'll run into GMing a player character who's like, I've, I've optimized my character sheet and I feel like my character is really has like a plus 12 to deception because maybe they worked at a thieves guild, right? And they like hand me that or something. And I'm like, great, I can run with it. But a lot of times people discover this sort of thing through play. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're look they're looking at their sheet, they're looking at their barbarian who has like a proficiency in survival. They're like, maybe my barbarian lived in the wilderness, right? For like five years before the start of this campaign. And like, I'm informed my, my role play is informed by that. They're really rough and rough around the edges. You know, they're illiterate or whatever. Um, so I tend to maybe play for a couple of sessions, uh, before picking up on what my players are putting down and then putting that into the campaign. Cause a lot of times I've played with, you know, players who don't write anything for their backstory, right? And they just sort of discover where their character is from by playing. Um, and I don't think there is a right or wrong way to go about that. As long as like all of you are on the same page about like the extent of backstory you're creating for each character.
1: Yeah, I've definitely discovered things about characters through play that I wouldn't have thought about when, while just crafting the actual backstory. So percent, I, I love, I like being open to that as
3: well. Definitely. And honestly, a piece of advice I would have is embrace that. I would say don't, don't plan your backstory too much, Write yeah. Just enough. So you, you know where you're going for the next session or two, but not after that, right? Just like, you, so much of the fun of d and d while you're playing this instead of writing a novel, right? or like playing a video game with like predetermined story paths is because there's other players at the table and there's a GM who's who's guiding the story together. You're collaboratively building the world and the campaign. Be open, right to like possibilities you could have never considered just sitting by yourself in your room writing your backstory. Um right. and I do I really do want to put that forward, like as like one of like my main pieces of advice here. Um, yeah. Don't over prep for the GM, and also for players, don't over prep for your characters as well, because then you sort of close yourself off to possibilities, right? If you have a very strong, specific vision for what you want your character to be uh, and what you where you want them to have come from.
1: Yeah i I had played in a a wonderful one off game um, that it was it was for Mother's Day, and and all of the the actual um, players in the group were mothers. Uh um, and I it was it was delightful. And I was um I because it was a one off I I had just you know kind of picked a character from my arsenal of characters and thought a little bit about how she might fit into this story but I realized as we were playing she developed um completely differently than I initially thought that she would be and um and I I, I just loved her. Like it was only like a 2 hour game but I'm like the, just from what was happening in the story, I just was open to like just seeing how she how it felt natural for her to respond instead of feeling like, well, I know that this character is a tabaxi and uh, a ranger, but she didn't act like. Usually, when I play a, a tabaxi, I'm much more cat like, standoffish, aloof kind. Of, you know, um, and she was very. She just became very maternal. Um, So anyway, I just yes, I I agree with that um, that sentiment. Wonderful things can happen when players are just open to discovering those things about each other and about their own players as well. Totally, Um, yeah. Um, So what if you have a player that is like new and or um, just like eh, not like prolific or like doesn't want to? I don't know. I don't know what my backstory is. I don't know. You figure it out or something. Like, do you have any? Um, guidelines for, like, they may be wonderful role players and very imaginative. It's just, like, the idea of crafting a backstory might be a little daunting to them.
3: (laughs) I'd see those players as a challenge, right? Like, as a fun challenge. I had a player like that who's actually outside of D&D, like a professional actor. So it was so interesting that they didn't really care about fleshing out their backstory so I was like, you're an actor. I thought that would be something you'd be really okay. Great. That's fine. Um, and I just sort of took it upon myself because they, they were like, I'm fine with anything you come up with, right? These tend to be the players okay. who are like, you, you tell me. Like, I don't really care. Or like, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know what I am allowed and I'm not allowed to create. Slash they honestly sometimes just have no idea or they really just want you to come up with stuff for them. Um, I, then I will just come up with stuff for them i'll be like hey jolt right you're in this dungeon and you see your brother whom you you thought you know you had lost like in like a a chaotic battle many years ago and he's here and he's chained up and he's a captive like and he's staring at you and he's gagged what do you do right and that just injecting like just throwing crazy stuff at them and like seeing how they respond like is so much fun. And those kinds of players I've noticed uh, tend to, even like if, After session zero, they're the one with like the least amount of backstory, especially if they're playing with other players who have backstory and who are bringing like a really uh, incredible depth to how they portray their PCs through roleplay. They tend to sometimes feel a little left out. Like they're like, oh, dang, like I wish I did come up with more backstory and like make it clear to them that it's never too late. Like you can always tell me stuff about your character that you're now figuring out through play, right? Um, But just feeling like you have the freedom as a GM to just throw stuff at those kinds of players. Um. I think is, is a great way to take it uh, as well as um, maybe pulling them aside out of play, sending them a DM or a text or something being like, Hey, I'm noticing that like your character, you know, like we don't know too much about where they're from. Do you mind answering these questions from me and like asking them questions of your own to maybe help guide their process? Oh yeah. Leading questions so that they yes. know.
1: Cause maybe it's just a little daunting. Like you said, like, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what's allowed. I don't know what I can and can't do here. So maybe reining that in a little bit for them.
3: Yes, that's also reminding me of, um, I don't know if you've been watching Sandria uh, Unlimited uh, with Abrea Yengar. Yes. Uh, But there's this really funny clip, I think from, yeah, from their first episode uh, where Amy Carrero playing this... um, uh, I forget uh if she's I forget I forget her race and class. Uh but I think Amy Carrero is a new player. And there's a moment where she was like asking Abria, like, would my character have heard of an ocean before? Like would she have does she know what a does she know what a large body of water is? And Abria was like, What? Have you I don't know, it's your character. Have you heard of the ocean before? And that was just a moment that made me laugh so much because that's I feel like a lot of new players are like they feel like they need to ask permission, right? Yeah. For like what their characters can and can't do, what they don't do and don't know. And I'm just straight up this. I'm talking directly at you. If you're a new player, you could just decide things about your character and your GM will let you know if it's, if that's information they actually wouldn't have access to. Yes, your character has probably seen an ocean before they probably know what a desert is they know what a tree is right um unless you have a very specific backstory of them like growing up in the underdark right never right. Have heard of or have seen these things right uh, so you can just sort of decide things right as long as your dm doesn't say you can't do this right Or for whatever reason like it's fair game like, you can come yeah. up with stuff. P- please feel empowered to come up with a backstory for your character, right? I, I promise you, your your GM will be like, great, that's fine, right? As long as it doesn't contradict any, like, canon campaign things they're they're prepping. And what a
1: great, I mean, that's kind of a great start to a backstory. If your character has not heard of an ocean and has never seen an ocean. I've, I know. <laughs> I would like to know why. Because that's why so, like, have so you many not?
3: possibilities.
1: <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> Are they from your the parents, wild or like were you deliberately dark?
1: kept away from oceans yes. because of some terrible curse? I don't know. Like why what why have you not seen the ocean? I must. Now know I now. want to
3: play a character that is deliberately kept away from the ocean because of a curse. Yes. What is going to happen? I'll I know, take, right? You know? Okay. Okay. Um,
1: okay, one more question. Do you ever like pit? characters against each other like after seeing something in their backstory i'm like oh this one is very much pro whatever and this one kind of has maybe not the same feelings is there ever is that like really bad to do as a dungeon master or do you ever just find like oh this could be a, a fun little just diversion in the campaign
3: sometimes i look at my pc's backstories and i go Oh ho ho! Interesting. (laughs) Hmm. There's some connections I can draw here. Um, and it's Shelly. I swear to you, it's less me pitting them against each other, and more so them pitting them themselves against each other. Because if you come up exactly, if you come up with a backstory, your players come up with a backstory where one of them is really loyal, right, to a queen or to a faction or a cause, and then one of them just independently. So happened to have betrayed, right? Or deserted or like, um, was treasonous against that like cause or faction or queen or ruler or whatever. The drama will ensue naturally. Your job as the GM isn't to be like, you hate each other and like establish a pre-existing acrimonious relationship, but more so to just present scenarios, give them opportunities, right? put them in a tavern and have like the person who's really loyal to the crown, have their commanding officer also be in the tavern and be like, oh, there you are. It's been ages. Hey, I haven't seen you since the conquest of blah, blah, blah. And the other character survived the conquest of blah, blah, blah. Right. And now they see their party member in completely new new eyes, right? Completely new light. Um. So I see my job, right, as a GM, less so as like, the storyteller the puppet master and more so as a facilitator of fun experiences I set the scene right I put up I put up the props on stage I put Chekhov's gun on the counter right it's up to my players if they want to pick up that gun or if they want to like pursue the fun little items I've scattered about like the trail for them um but yeah, if if that sort of thing, that's like a present. That's a gift. That's what I call a gift, right? If that juicy, like dramatic pearl is there in multiple players' backstories, I will absolutely find ways to like make that relevant in the campaign itself. Um, okay. Yeah, for sure. It's wonderful when they naturally happen. Oh, yes. Yeah, so wonderful. There's also ways you can ask questions that you will, uh, so you can create those moments for yourself.
1: Yes, it reminds me of um, the the daycare that my son grew, basically grew up in, um, but they're wonderful. And they um, they would have, like, stations set up around the classroom. Like, they called them, like, provocation stations. I don't know. They had, like, a fancy little name for them. But it would just be, like, a bunch of pipe cleaners and some glue or, like, Jenga blocks or some, just, like, random stuff around the room. And it... it you could just wander up to the pipe cleaner station and, like, come up with, like, a really cool, intricate, mm-hmm. beautiful design. And, like, the way that you're describing, like, I'm just setting this. I'm just going to leave 100%. these little stations all around yes. the camp. And if they, if they wander up to the pipe cleaners and sniff around and don't do anything, okay. They're there if you want. But if they want to explore those pipe cleaners
3: and create something wonderful and juicy, Mm-hmm. That's great too. A hundred percent. It's a term in like improv, known as like giving gifts, right? Yeah, you give you give gifts to your players. right? give, set up the situations, lay out the pipe cleaners, give them the glue, right? <laughs> give them these shiny toys to play with, and I guarantee you they will play with them. They right, will like nine them. times out of ten they will. Right, it's yeah. it's a rare player that walks away, and they probably only walk away because they're too scared of how much fun they'll have. They'll be like, oh no, I feel like my player isn't my character isn't emotionally ready to have that confrontation yet. Right. Yeah. But you know
1: it's there. It's there when you're ready.
3: Yep. So
1: the more that we're talking, the more I realize it, this is actually helping you as a dungeon master. It's not additional work. We're, it's not, we're helping no. to inform mm-hmm. the story and giving you lots of juicy little nuggets to play with.
3: Yes. When your players give you backstory, they're basically telling you, this is what I'm interested in. Like, can you please make this relevant somehow? Right. Uh, even if they don't straight up say it, that's basically what that is. Right. Like when players come up with backstory, like how sad, uh, and you know, shot down in a way, like it must feel if they give you all this and it never comes up. Right. right. Uh, so honestly, I've been in campaigns. You never know when a campaign will end. Like you straight up don't. Like sometimes, you know, life, you know, lives just collide in such a way that. You play four sessions of what you thought was going to be like a persistent campaign, and then people just split up. So as a GM, my advice to you, drop stuff in early. Like, don't hold on to stuff. You know, just do it. Just drop it in, because you never know when your next session is going to end, quite frankly. And also, uh, that hooks your players immediately, right off the bat. Can you imagine if you dropped, like... One player's backstory into session one somehow, right? That would be awesome. And then other players are going to be like, oh, when's it going to be my turn? Right. And that, that keeps them invested and interested as well. Don't be, um, don't jealously guard right uh the juicy bits that you've got planned for your players even if you don't drop it all in right just drop little hints in somehow give them a rumor of like how their estranged sister is doing right like give them let allow them to walk through a town that's devastated by the same magical storm that destroyed their village something like that little tidbits that you can absolutely plop into every session that you run Um, and I make it a challenge for myself to make my players backstories relevant in every episode of Transplaner RPG like in arc 3 we've done eight episodes so far I don't think there has been a single episode that's gone by where my players backstories haven't been relevant in a major way to the plot or what they're doing Um, same for like much of arc 2 as well Uh, and that is just so important to me as a GM that's amazing
1: that's quite the record Oh, thank you. Um, Well, your players must just love playing with you.
3: Aw, well, yeah, I like to think they do. Uh, Some really good feedback I've gotten uh, for running uh, for Magpie Games' Curated Play program, Magpie Games is like a TTRPG publisher and distributor, um, is that my players really appreciate that even the one-shots are so character specific because I always like take a break to write down ideas for how their backstory is relevant to like the actual campaign and the actual story. Cause that is where I think a lot of player buy-in can be found, right? If your players, if you find your players losing engagement, it's probably because like, this is one way to like draw them back in, right? Like is to just make their backstories relevant, make what they've already set up that they're interested in relevant to the campaign. Makes sense. And it makes for a great game.
1: It does. It does. Do you have any other pearls of wisdom you want to drop on our listeners before I let you go?
3: Oh boy. Pearls of. <laughs> let me think. Um I would say that there are definitely players who will give you like four pages on Google Docs, single space, right, MLA format uh, of their backstory. And then at the exact same table, you'll find a player that is, like we mentioned earlier, eh, I don't care, you do whatever, right? Um, Something I like to do to sort of find a happy medium between those two things when doing character creation uh, is they can send me as much material or as little material as they want as long as each player at the table can tell me, like, give me a quick rundown of your character and what's important about their backstory. Three to four sentences, that's it. Which will force the player who, you know, gave me four pages to, like, think of the most important bullet points and write them down in three to four sentences. And it will also force the player who doesn't have anything to generate at least something I can work with, right? And I find that three to four sentences per backstory question I lob at them, or just in general, uh, is a great medium, right? That's enough prep, that's just enough content for me to work with for sessions one and two, right? Uh, and it doesn't make me feel overwhelmed. So just make sure that you have at least a little bit of something from each player to work with uh, before you prep your first session of your campaign, uh, would be my takeaway advice, I think. Because you don't want to have too much, but you also don't want to have too little. Three to four right. sentences, I think that's like a good good place. Okay. You make it sound easy, but <laughs> um,
1: it also sounds really fun and inspiring and I kind of want to create backstories, but I also want to like create a world based on backstories. i mm. this sounds this just sounds fun, and I'm you know kind of into the why your character has never been to the ocean as the I the know off point.
3: Someone do like an ocean terror <laughs> campaign. Find out that yes.
1: Um, as usual, you're amazing, and I so appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk about dungeon mastering again. I have a feeling it's not going to be the last time we chat, maybe. <laughs> um, but where can people find out more about you and follow along with all the great things you're working on?
3: Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for having me here, Shelly. Uh, I've been Connie, pronounced the he and she. You can find me on Twitter at and Patreon and itch, uh, at by Connie Chang B-Y-C-O-N-N-I-E-C-H-A-N-G. I am also the GM and executive producer behind Transplanar RPG on Twitter, Twitch, and most recently, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podbean and everywhere else you get your podcasts because we've just very recently literally yesterday as of the recording oh. of this uh converted our live stream into a podcast starting with Arc 1 episode 1 so Oh my god it's amazing. I know it's very exciting if the way you like to consume actual play content is not through streams because you find that difficult in some way now you can finally listen to our show as a podcast so uh I would really appreciate it if y'all tuned into our little trans POC-led story um, set in our very own original non-colonial anti-Orientalist world uh, in a realm where the stars and the gods have vanished and vicious monsters stalk the night, right? Uh, Very poetic and dramatic campaign is how I would describe it. I love it. Oh,
1: that's so awesome about the podcast. Uh, I was telling you about how I spent some hours at the dentist this morning and the whole I would just listen to podcasts the whole time. Heck yeah. I am a I love a good podcast. So I may have to um, even though I've watched much of the stream, I may have to just start over and podcast. Oh, Shelly!
3: Oh, I'd be how so fun. grateful and so
1: honored. Um, well, you're amazing, and everybody should definitely check out all the work that you're doing. And thank you again for being my guest on how to be a dungeon master. Absolutely. Thank you
3: so much for having me.
0: What a great insightful segment but yet again! Man, are you ready to start dungeon mastering yet, Shelley? Yes. Well, all right, let's do it. Um,
1: yes, Invite I feel me. like uh, there. I do get inspired. I really do, and excited about when I get like that aha moment, and I realize things like this sounds hard, and then I realize, oh no, wait, these are actually tricks that dungeon masters employ to make things easier. Yeah, you can use a lot, let your characters come up with a lot of the hard stuff and the backstory and the the lore and locations and NPCs. Let them come up with it, and then you can just be like, "Oh, I'm just going to borrow this NPC that wronged you when you were <laughs> six, and now look, they're the barkeep at the tavern that you're hanging out in. Yoink! And now you got a story. Mm-mm. Dun, dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. I know. Yeah. I feel like you're you're. Uh, not only learning yourself, but you're just letting so many people just go on that journey with you of, of learning uh, how to DM. And you're going to be one of the most, not necessarily prepped, but one of the most uh, <laughs> no. learned uh, beginner DMs whenever you do start again. Yeah,
1: I feel like, like I can offer other Dungeon Masters advice, even though <laughs> ha, like not ever having DMed myself uh, or only having a few times yeah. of DMing myself. You should interview
0: but yourself on a how to DM. Segment.
1: <laughs> that would be... Very therapeutic, also weird, and probably sad.
0: Well, you know who is a wonderful DM and we can glean a lot from
1: is Kate Welch. Yes. Someone I hope to have on a How to DM segment.
0: Let's get her uh, to talk about all of the amazing stuff that she's been doing and will be doing for D&D Live 2021. Everyone, let's welcome Kate Welch to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Kate Welch, you're my
2: favorite. You're my favorite, Shelly. And also, Greg, how to choose. If you guys were both on an island and I had to Hmm. choose which of you to drown, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd drown myself.
0: (laughs) That is appropriately dark.
2: And you wouldn't really
1: have to choose because Greg and I are actually the same person.
0: Thank God. That's the (laughs) secret (laughs) reveal.
1: Yeah, and I like that you went with drown and not save. To like just no. really hammer that point. No. Home. No.
2: That's <laughs> why we love you. Hello, my friends. It has
1: been so far too excited long.
0: Excited to have the opportunity to reconnect with you I because know. you've been crushing it.
2: Oh my god! Oh, Up and down, man. all over town. Thank you, thank you. I can say the same about y'all. This has been this has been a this has been a hell of a year, huh? Yeah, yeah. hell of a year yeah. for everybody. Yeah, I think I've been that gone. Works. I've been gone from Wizards for almost a year.
0: Almost a
1: year. And yeah, that is truly the hard part of last year. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what we were all <laughs> referencing Everybody's when we're like, it's been a really tough year. Kate <laughs> Welch it doesn't sit five <laughs> feet from me anymore. Uh, so Oh, you, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Great. Hey. How's <laughs> Dragon
2: Talk been? Well,
1: we just had a big anniversary. You did? How many years? For, uh, Well, we. We go by episodes, and it's been like 115 years, but it's been 300 <laughs> episodes, and now this is like 302? What?
2: 302, Ew. I think. I'm, I'm honored to be your 302nd. Thank you for yes. having me on. Yes. Thank you for well,
0: being here. Well, the, the context for you having me on, other than just you being awesome, is you're a dungeon master for the stars, for many of the stars, uh, yeah. at the Comedians' Table, For D&D Live 2021, you're going to play Dungeons & Dragons with so many amazing folks. Uh, I'll list to everyone I can off the top of my head. We got Jack Black, who's going to be in that game. Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith, uh, Silent Bob, and uh, the other one. one. (laughs) Jay. (laughs) Jay Silent (laughs) Bob. I know, that's why I got him messed up. Uh, Yeah, you said Silent
2: Bob first.
0: I know. Uh, And... uh, Oh, gosh, who else is Lauren on there? We got Lep- some secret folks. Lauren,
2: Lauren Lapkus, and uh, did you see Reggie Watts?
0: No, I forgot so, Reggie's on there. And
2: then there's a secret guest.
0: Oh, has guest.
2: Oh my god! Which we might reveal, but I'm not going to be the one to say it because I it <laughs> sound, it sounds like there's like some timing around it. If you want to say it, Gregory, then I will back you up a hundred percent.
0: I will definitely say it now. It yeah. is going oh my God. to be Tiffany Haddish, the Stop! final cast member for The Comedian's Table for I'm D&D so Live funny. 2021. Tiffany is fantastic. Uh, I heard she is a D&D player.
2: Yes, Yeah, she said that she has played in high school um, and uh, she had needed no assistance from me whatsoever in creating a character. She's just like, good to go, all business, ready to roll them dice. Stop! I am. I am so pleased. It's a really good. It's a really good table.
1: Yeah, so right? I
0: mean, table. that's a dream having all those funny people in one place, riffing off each other. Uh, that seems super fun. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. It's a dream for us, the viewers. But I would like to know: <laughs> Is it a dream for you, the dungeon master? Like when you heard and you were invited to take part in this, were you like, "Oh, hell yeah! This yeah. is." What I'm I can probably of, show or, you the
0: text message where that was yeah. exactly the response.
2: <laughs> it was. Yeah. I think, Greg, you were like, I need to call you because you're not going to believe what I have to tell you. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure I was like losing my mind on that phone call. Definitely also in the text messages. But um Shelly, thank you. Such an insightful question. Such a, <laughs> such a wonderful question. Because you would think... At this point, that it would be just pure excitement, but it is very nerve-wracking and very anxiety-inducing. I'm very excited, obviously, and and we did the comedians' game last year. We did the Game of Thrones game last year, but kind of like part of the process for me as a dungeon master. It doesn't matter who the table is. It could be a bunch of famous people. It could just be like my best friends and my family. Has no makes no difference. The preparation for dungeon mastering and wanting everybody to have a good time is so anxiety-inducing. Mm -hmm. every single time, regardless of the content. So I would say like on a scale from like one to shit my pants, I'm like an 8.5. Um, but but, like, that's also anxiety and, uh, and excitement at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that they have fun. Um and I I I think the evidence suggests that they will but I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if any of them aside from Tiffany. I'm not 100% sure on everybody's D&D level of experience either. So we'll see. We'll see. Might be an educational experience for a lot of us.
0: <laughs> well that's why it's so great that you uh were you know that we brought you on board to do this because I think you're really great at at uh dungeon mastering for veterans who you know love the game and love the nuances of all the rules but you're also really good at getting new people involved and having it be more of an improv comedian experience which eh, might be perfect for this table.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a mix. And and honestly, I I keep reassuring myself of this. I really love being a dungeon master for people who are not good at D&D or have never tried it or whatever. I love playing with kids, like uh, being able to run tables for young kids who just like have heard of D&D or just want to like play pretend with a sword for a while. I find a lot of joy in that because I like to I like to enable people's imagination and help them understand what Dungeons and Dragons can bring to their lives and how enriching it can be and the kinds of friendships that you can make and the things that you can discover about yourself and, uh, you know, all of those things. So, I, I hope I hope that that is the experience that this table has, uh, and uh, and that also like the other the other big thing is this game is only what like two hours long, so how much <laughs> I keep telling myself I do going to have to take right. You just let these people. I just set them up. i be like ah, there's a dragon, and then boom, let them go for two hours. I'm sure they don't even need me. Um, but also, like you want to make sure that everybody gets a little bit of spotlight, and yeah. and you know, give give them lots of opportunities to do their funny person comedian thing. So another challenge, this is a real one. Another challenge is I am historically a very silly dungeon master, and I, I think that that is let's say one of my strengths. I like I, it. I like I like being a silly dungeon master because I I think that when people um, get the sense that I'm silly, then they feel the, the, the freedom to be silly. And so that's kind of the, the, the game I like to run. However, I believe strongly that the best dungeon masters are the ones who can be serious and can be like a straight man in the in the sense of like the the, the joke, the comedian setup. Like the, the straight man is the one who's providing a platform for the jokes to land, you know, at, or yeah. spring from. And I really, I really admire, I think, you know, I think Matt Mercer is a really good example of someone who's like this, like somebody who can be a very serious dungeon master and, and solemn, but but also provide opportunities for his players to be funny. Um, I am a silly dungeon master because I have no self-confidence and jokes are my defense mechanism. So when I am nervous, which of course I always am, I am instantly going to default to jokes. So one of my challenges that I'm trying to prepare myself for is like, I want this comedian table. I want them to be the funny ones. And I want to be, I just want to play like the straight man and, and like give them a blank canvas upon which to project their jokes. I I don't know how to do that while also being terrified out of my mind. So (laughs) there's a growth experience happening for all of us at the table for this game. That is
0: amazing.
1: Well, I hope that you just are always um, nervous because I do think you're one of the funniest (laughs) people I've ever met. And I love watching you as a dungeon master. I think uh, uh, last year at D&D Live 2020 when you were homing the Game of Thrones table, I was so nervous for you, like, watching it. (laughs) Just like, okay. But you were nervous. Just flawless, and like how you can actually do all of those things that you are just talking about needing to do, like making sure pe- people are getting the spotlight and all. But there's big personalities, and this table coming up for D and D Live 2021. These are huge names, and like yeah. obviously, like everybody, like kind of likes to. They're just not that they're gonna take over from each other, but like they all want the spotlight. They're all funny in their own way, and they're all. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, how do you, how do you like manage those big personalities? And, I mean, it's probably the same at, at all tables. Like you have to, make mm-hmm. sure that everybody's getting their time to shine. But like, is there any like, are you intimidated to like tell somebody to be like, back up, dude,
2: it's Lauren's <laughs> turn to talk. Um, I don't have a problem with that part. Um, because I, I, I think that, when people are being like a table hog. One of the things, one of the core rules, and then maybe I'm just saying this self-interestedly because I am a dungeon master, but I do think that one of the core rules is like, you got to respect your dungeon master. Your dungeon master is the reason you're there. They're the ones ready to like show you a good time. They're there to enable the fun. They want to make sure everybody feels cool. Ideally, you know, this is an ideal world. And that's the kind of Dungeon Master I want to be. So I hope that in shining the spotlight on other people at the table, people understand like, oh, she's going to give me my chance in the spotlight too. I just have to, I just have to like support and enable other people's spotlight and then I'll get my shot on. So hopefully that part doesn't scare me. It's really just, it's the, the, um, the pressure of wanting to show a bunch of like professional entertainers a good time. Like with the yeah. Game of Thrones game, it was, it was, and the comedians game and the Game of Thrones game both. I, I like have anxiety for a week leading up to it. And then for like four days afterward, I'm just like coming down from the high. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. But last year, uh, it was, it was a, a similar thing. The comedian game went great. Everybody uh, had a, had a good time. I think it was it was uh, much more of like here's a bunch of funny people all making jokes, and the, the Game of Thrones game was here's a bunch of people who already know each other who have that like pre-established chemistry. Yeah, and so that ended up being I think kind of the secret to their game. But one of the most intimidating things I, I actually I felt like with the Game of Thrones game I was like this is just a bunch of nerds that I'm role playing with. It was it was it just it flowed really naturally. Um, but it feels a lot like in this case. How with the Game of Thrones actors, I decided for some reason to just like do European accents with a bunch of people who are have European accents natively. And in my head, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why would I do a bad (laughs) accent from the people like with the people who speak it natively? What what am I doing?
0: Right. With the the people from Belfast, with the people from from Spain. And you're like, I'm going to do a Spaniard. Why not?
2: Sure, why don't I just do something that's probably a super offensive rendition of their <laughs> native accent. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about this entertainer's table, this this comedian table this year. Is like, these people do this for a living. They, like, write and direct and act and do stand-up and, like, sing. What the hell am I going to do? What am
1: I going to bring to this table? You're a game
2: designer
1: for a oh living. God, You're I'm a, a dungeon master <laughs> for not necessarily a living, but <laughs> for some discretionary income, maybe <laughs> Or a nice no. dinner for you and Tyler Pending once in a while. Money, little petty cash, <laughs> but still, this is your world. This That's is money. where you belong. They're stepping Thank into you. your world. You. Um, do you, other than Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes know each other? Obviously, but mm-hmm. do you know if any of the
2: other people? or have any established relationships? I don't think, I don't think so. Um, I think that they, you know, they all have a a massive professional respect for each other, but I don't know if any of them have ever like hung out or if they have established chemistry. I'm I'm grateful that, that um, Kevin and Jay do. I've actually been able to, at this point, speak to all of them and help them create their characters and, and like brief them on how the game's going to go. And every single one of them has been such a delight to speak with. Um, they like, depending on the person I either, I I, like interviewed them about what kind of character they wanted to play and then created their character or got in touch with them. And they were like, I kind of already know what I want to do. Or in some people's cases, like Tiffany, she was like, I already got my character all ready to go. I don't even need you. I was like, hell yeah, nice. (laughs) Um, And and a lot of them uh, for for Tiffany and for Lauren had already made her character as well. Um, It was really just a matter of like, um, helping them figure out D and D Beyond, just just like walking them through, like, oh, we're actually going to be at this level, um, you know. So I, I, they 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 know what they're doing. They're they're, they're good to go. And can you tell us about their their beat. characters? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Did,
0: what did what did uh, Lauren and sure. Tiffany were playing?
2: Let's see. Okay, uh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil too too much, but I guess I can. Uh, so Tiffany is playing a sorcerer. Um, and she is playing, I I think this is a reference to like an SNL sketch that she was in, but she's playing a character called Tiffnicity, the last black unicorn.
0: Oh, Um, Oh, that's the name of her book.
2: The last black. Oh, nice. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, she is, she's playing the last black unicorn. And she also, I was like, do you want to have a unicorn familiar? She was like, absolutely. I do. All right. Well, you're already the best dungeon master ever.
1: (laughs) That's it. Hands down. (laughs)
2: Winner. Winner. (laughs) <laughs> you always ask. You always gotta ask. Um, and then Lauren is playing an elf fighter, I wanna say. Um, and I, I cannot, her her name is funny. Pimple Poppy, I wanna say is the name of pipple <laughs> Pimple Poppy is very good. Pimple, <laughs> Pimple Poppy. But pimple poppy. Is my she's, next a, indie character.
0: she's a dermatologist. <laughs> a fantasy dermatologist.
2: Big on extractions. Um, oh
1: yes. Then, exfoliations.
0: Oh my God. Um, yes. I love Lauren Lapkus. I, she I is one too. of my favorite improv uh, people so on funny. the Comedy Bang Bang podcast and all the stuff that she's done uh, in, in TV and movies. Uh, so I'm really excited to see that you know yeah. uh, talent come to life as an as pimple poppy. <laughs>
1: I'm excited <laughs> like by, I'm excited about the thought of her as a fighter too for some I know, reason. I
2: know, I know. <laughs> she's, she's really she's really cool. Um I like her a lot. She's also um I I think her character sheet for some reason her strength is like a minus 1 so that should go <laughs> <there>. well. <Wow. laughs> nice. Um she is a uh, She's also um, she. I think she said that her only D and D experience. She has her own podcast, and she played. They played Dungeons and Dragons for one episode of it, and I believe that's been her uh, her Dungeons and Dragons experience. So she's a relative newbie. Pretty exciting. Okay. Reggie is playing the same character he played for the comedian game last year, which is Bronwyn, uh, the half elf ranger. I believe. And this time you wanted a familiar. And he was like, I want like a teleporting cat. And I was like, absolutely. So what I'm going <laughs> to do is I'm giving him a, a blink dog, the stat block mm. of a blink dog, but is making it a blink cat. Little dungeon master trick for you. Just change the word in the stat block and you got a different monster. Reskinning um, is
0: the key.
2: <laughs> and then um I'm not going to reveal what Kevin and Jay are doing because I think it's a it's a it's a pretty funny. Uh, idea that they've had, but I, was, I spoke to both of them, and they're they're both really excited. Um, Jay Jason Muse has played a lot of D D. He uh, has his own Twitch channel, I guess, and he plays he streams pretty regularly. He plays D anD D, and so yeah, he's he's pretty familiar with it. He's very very excited, and all he's all about it. Three, um, and then Jack, last but not least, is actually I saw a bunch of people online, and were are like, you better play a bard. No, Jack is playing a dwarf warlock um Ooh. and the only oh, thing like he told that. i was like i was like oh hell yeah because he was like looking through the classes he's like only the warlocks i was like oh yeah get oh. in strap in buddy <laughs> um and so we started talking about warlocks and i was like you get to like have a pact to some kind of like ancient creature or whatever whatever you want to pact to and he immediately was like, I want to have a pact with a demon. I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, it's a blue demon. I was like, all right. It's a blue demon? <laughs> he just wanted, he wanted to have a, a, he wants a dwarf. He wants to have a patch with a blue demon. And that's all I need to know. So, um, so yeah, that's our, that's our lineup. I
0: didn't, I didn't leave anybody demon. out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd like that now forever, you will be able to start sentences with, so this one time I was talking about Warlocks with Jack Black. <laughs>
2: <laughs> blah, 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 and I feel like this name dropper. I'm like, oh my God, you guys. Like I was in, when I was doing this planning meeting, I was um, in, I was visiting some friends who just had a baby. I was in their house in Buffalo. And so I was like, I'm like, hey guys, I got to go for three hours because I have a series of celebrities. I have to get <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I'm sorry, you guys. My call with Kevin Smith is in like 20 minutes. Do you mind if I just set up my laptop? You guys have
1: Wi-Fi? <laughs> we just got to talk about creating characters. I just got to talk about
2: his dungeons. and But yeah, we kind, of, we kind of like had set it all up. I talked to Reggie and Jack on one day and then I talked to everybody else on a different day. So I had like this big, the big string of meetings. The guys who are at the Lost Odyssey, events. a big string of meetings. The Lost Odyssey guys who have been helping me, as Rob and Diglesia over at Lost Odyssey, have been so good, so professional. They're just like they—they've they, been taking care of everything, and I have like a seventy-five email long thread with them at this point. But I—I I, I, bless up to those guys. They're—they're they're crushing it. Yeah.
0: Love them. Love them. They've been so good at like just getting uh these type of folks literally to the table. And yeah. it's mm-hmm. uh, great when it's for, for for charity. And that this game is also for charity as well, right?
2: Yes. Our game is uh I think every game at D&D Live is, is benefiting a different charity. Ours is Extra Life, which is yay. one of my oh, all-time favorites. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to I I um I I am very excited that like this this these powerhouses are gonna like bring bring their energy to bear on extra life.
0: It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting some money to children's miracle hospitals, helping kids out. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Um, And speaking of charity... Uh, not to, not to say like, Hey, you're, you know, all those celebrities, uh, you know, let's push them to the side, but let's push let's them to the it. side. I want bit. to talk about, uh, uh, the C team pride land, uh, game for Lambert house that you also oh, did, yeah. uh, at the beginning of June. I'm wearing my Lambert house, uh, you yeah. know, pride shirt now.
2: It's beautiful. I, I really like that pride shirt. It turned out nice. Yeah. Um, so the, um, the Lambert house game was in conjunction with Penny Arcade and, I DM'd, um, let's see if I can remember, Tristan Falcone, Jeremy Crawford, um, AJ Lamarck, Omega Jones, and not last well, but not least, Anthony Rapp. Is that, no. is that my whole table? I think that was my whole table. Yeah. Um, they were absolutely incredible. And I, I think I assume the VOD is up somewhere for for viewing at this point, because we streamed it a few weeks ago. Yep. it it was just it was such a delight um it, the the premise of it was that um we were uh we were going through walnut who's played by tristan Falcone, um was woke up and had forgotten her anniversary with her wife and she was in a bit of trouble and so we um we put we put her through her paces everybody who who um showed up as guests they had never been on the C team before, but Jeremy played his Acquisitions, Inc. stand-in character that he DMs acting for. Which is Vi, the, the little artificer gnome? She's incredible. She's one of my favorite characters. Um, so we got to we got him playing Vi, and then I'd never played with AJ, Anthony, or Omega, and they were incredible. They were just like really on the mark role playing wise. It's such a fun game. It, it's a blast. If, if anybody out there has not listened to it or watched it, it's totally worth it. It was it was just a delight. Anthony rap is. <laughs> <laughs> a total treasure <laughs> um, and did a really good job. I put him on the spot a couple of times to like read things and, and, uh, and do some
0: performances
2: because he was I believe, playing a bard. So you know, awesome. it was, it was a, it was a good time. It was a
0: really good game. I love that. Uh, you know, that type of thing can bring so many people together to support, uh, you know, the Lambert house, which is, you know, a, a, Charity here in the Seattle area yeah, that helps out yeah. LGBTQ youth um, and, and questioning youth and just making sure that they have a place to go to uh, to, to get support. Uh, it's one mm-hmm. of those fun kind of just blanket helping organizations out there that uh, is perfect uh, to support during the, this month. But all months, especially this year, because I think they have some uh, um, uh, lease issues going on and they want to try to raise as much money as they can right. in order to, to keep the actual Lambert House uh, uh, going and so we're going to be doing. You know, you can purchase these uh, pride shirts. There's many different kinds. You know, for different uh, 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 ways in which you identify in order to show your pride for for Dungeons and Dragons as well as Magic: The Gathering. There's hoodies. There's there's all types of accessories and apparels that you can purchase there, and all of the proceeds go to support Lambert House. Um, and uh, I'm just like just excited that we had an all you know LGBTQ identifying cast together yeah, playing we did. Dungeons and Dragons.
2: Yeah, it was really wonderful, um, and yeah, they, I think I believe the game. Just like in the course of those two hours, we raised like thirty five hundred bucks or something, something close to close to four k. So thank you to everybody who tuned in live. But let's keep those donations rolling. Right. Rip those wallets open. Throw those credit cards at <laughs> the screen. Let's,
0: let's
2: keep donating to Lambert House because it was it's such a good charity.
0: And get some That's good t shirts awesome. in the process.
2: I yep.
1: t-shirts. Yeah, My, yeah, exactly. Mine what? are in the mail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did expedited shipping for mine, oh. Shelley. So, um,
1: wow. aren't you fancy? I ordered one of the the hoodies, the zip front hoodies. Yeah. So, and it was mm-hmm. like a, you know, a like hundred and. 75 degrees, so I didn't need to wash mine. <laughs> <laughs> it can get here when it gets here. Just take my it money It can get here in October. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah.
2: We're good.
0: I was able to wear it in the beginning of June when it was January here in uh, in the Seattle. Oh area. yeah, yeah. But, hey. Uh,
2: uh so hey y'all, how'd you all how would you how you hold up the last <laughs> in oof. our record heat wave here in Seattle?
0: We were in Avernus, I think.
2: Yeah. 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 It was wild. Did you just like, did did anybody else just go outside and just stand in it? I did. This is the mouth of hell. Yeah. Yes. I just had to see it.
1: I was outside for like a minute and a half. Me too. And then I was like, I'm burning. (laughs) Like, I really did feel like, like my skin was burning straight off the bone. Like, (laughs) I gotta go inside. Quinn was like, can I come out? Can I come out? Like, what part of what I just said makes you want to come out here too? But yeah, get on out here. Yeah, feel sure. like that Fuel white the piece burn. of Irish skin out here. Yeah,
2: What about you, Greg? How about you and the
0: fam? I mean, luckily we had a we we were in the basement. Uh, so nice. we, we 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 had come from camping. We were in a mountain lake uh, all last week, oh. which would have been great uh, during yeah. this this that awful time. Uh, but we left to get here right when it was the worst of it, and we just took all of our camping equipment and basically went down into the basement uh, as a family and just have been hanging out down here uh, and and making the best of it. But it's so weird how. You know, that was what three days it got the worst on Monday, where mm-hmm. uh, it was what 106, I think, here in Seattle. Portland got think it was 116. We had
2: 116 on Monday, yeah. We, were, we were outside where? with my my like probe thermometer that I use, I used to like test bread to make sure it's done. We just Tyler took it outside and just held it in the air, and it was like <laughs> 116.9 or something crazy. Wow,
1: what the. Yeah.
0: It doesn't
2: I seem hope right. Frodo
1: was okay. I mean, that's
2: Frodo true. was okay. I think he burned his little feet. I think he oh. had little blisters on his bones yeah. he, like, he he came outside and he started limping on the hot patio, and I was like, "Oh!" And I scoop him up and I took him. Oh, baby. The <laughs> yeah, it's too hot for
1: babies. No
2: walk for puppy
1: that day. No walk. He was no like, walk I, for I don't Frodo. understand humans. Why are yeah. the blinds down and the doors are all shut?
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, how about that?
0: How about that hot planet of ours?
2: How about that
1: yeah. hot planet of ours? Give me Kaye. It's fine. Nothing to see here. <laughs> um, Speaking of hot planets, like, not at all. This is yeah. not a segue at all, but I just <laughs> liked it. Um, on. I'm going back to D&D Live 2021. So... Are the story the uh adventure that oh, you'll yeah. be running? Like, what is it? Something that you have crafted from your the own your own brain? Panel, yeah. Or is it?
2: What's it going on? What can you complete. tell us? I know you can't spoil. No, I don't want to spoil it. It's a completely original adventure. God help us. Um And there's no. Usually, my signature move is to is to make like the end some grand pun or dad joke. But I have not done that this time because. Mm. I, I want these people to want to speak to me again after this. So, um, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I have a, again, it's two hours, big personalities. Um, I had to craft a, a essentially like beats for them to hit specifically so that Ben from Sirenscapes can score it for us live. So oh. I'm really excited about that. Um, cause that that's been like, at least the last couple D and D lives, the live Sirenscape scoring has been like the seventh player at the table. Mm. It's been so good. It's so much fun. He's hes like, he's always on the mark with good sound effects. Um, so I'm really, I'm, I'm super looking forward to, to Sirenscapes being there again this year. So, but they, they wanted to like prep some stuff ahead of time. So usually just, to, just to be completely honest about this, because I want to, I want to, <laughs> let's normalize being a really lazy dungeon master. U- <laughs> usually my preference is to be anxious about it for weeks and then figure it out 24 hours or less before actually going live. That's my preference. Um, I find that that is the creative process for me. I find that procrastination is a part of my method. Um, but in this case they were like, no, we got to have savage scapes filled up with sounds. I was like, yeah. So yes, I have already come up with a story. Um, I have places in mind. I've got NPCs. I got a, I got the odd accent or two. I got cool characters. I got plots, roughly. <laughs> um, and I can't wait for it all, it all to come crashing down around me when um, inevitably players enter the picture. Uh, because that is that's you. This is why I don't like to plan. There's a book, a really lovely book called The Lazy Dungeon Master and Return of the Lazy, Lazy Dungeon Master. You guys know. have you ever had Sly Flourish on the show? I don't know if
1: you uh, have. Yeah. I
2: oh how to be a dungeon master segment. Well, you have. You've yeah. had. You've had. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, those books are incredible. They're they're more for, like, people who have some experience. You definitely don't want to start out with those books. But one of the things that um, I took away from that reading that that – I've only read the first one. But the, um, the way that I justified it for myself is that being a lazy dungeon master and doing, like, a minimum amount of crap – Gives you the most flexibility when it comes to improvising at the table, so it's actually something that I I vastly prefer. Like I think a dungeon master has everything planned out too much. It's going to feel too much like it's on rails, and that you're forcing people into your story. So I prefer to prep like very very low. In fact, one of the things that I was kind of fantasizing about is I was thinking about this, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to prep, but I don't like to prep, and. I I want I want it to feel like a real Dungeons and Dragons game, but also it's only two hours, and also it's a one shot, and like you have to have a satisfying beginning and ending in a one shot. And it's in in a lot of ways, doing a dungeon master run like this is not typical. Like it's not it's not normal Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and that's like because it's one shot, and because it's live, and because it's going to have so many viewers, um, and because a lot of those viewers don't know what Dungeons and Dragons is. There's a lot of strange elements. We can unpack that in a second if you'd like. But yeah, like one of the one of the things that I, I think people should do more often. Oh, the, the exercise that I would really like to do someday is I wanna have a table full of players who know what they're getting into. And that is that their dungeon master, Kate Welch, has prepped nothing. And mm-hmm. that the theory is like mm-hmm. I, I just wanna come to a table and be like, guys, I haven't prepped anything. Let's go. Um, and that we just, we just run from there. Like they have their characters. You know, I just start making shit up. Their characters express interest in things. And then we, we improv, we improvise the whole thing. And I think maybe there are, there are tables that run like this. Like there are probably people listening to this and being like, yeah, that's how, that's how you play Dungeons and Dragons. You just improvise the whole (laughs) thing with your, with your friends, including the dungeon master. But much to my chagrin, I have only ever been in one campaign that wasn't streamed. And Mm. it was a long, long, long time ago. And I was not the dungeon master. So like every game of Dungeons and Dragons that I've played in campaign setting in fifth edition has been on the C team. And that is, you know, a place where you have fans and they want closure and they want satisfying characters. And when you're playing at home, I don't think you have to care about that so much, you know, like as a dungeon master playing with no audience, I would be reacting so much more to the things that my characters, my players were excited about. And I, like putting a lot more emphasis on those things. And like, if we introduced a cool NPC and never saw them again, and it's like, there's no like checkups gun in, in a real game of judges and dragons. You can, you can have a plot thread and then drop it. And nobody's going to be like, what? if a player is like, what happened to that plot thread? Then I'm like, oh, of course, here's here I can pick up that plot thread for you and we can carry it forward. But that is, uh, that can be really frustrating and dissatisfying for people when they're watching a stream game. So you have mm. to be so much more conscious of it being a contiguous plot. And you can't be as lazy a dungeon master as perhaps you would like to be. Um, and you cannot necessarily uh, introduce things that are going potentially nowhere because it doesn't make for a satisfying story. So all of those things have been all like in addition to just the normal stress of dungeon mastering and, and not knowing, you know, what it's gonna act, like having to hit a deadline, you know, it's gonna be two hours, not a second more or less, you know, like ah! and then all, all the all the aforementioned things about needing it to have a satisfying story and plot and and, and through line it makes makes it feel like it's it's not the purest form of Dungeons and Dragons. It's not the most, it's not the home game version of Dungeons and Dragons. It's one of the things that when people talk about how great Matt Mercer is, and how great Critical Role is, it's not that they're not playing d They're they're doing a really good job. And Matt is a, obviously a master, and all the players are incredible. But on some level, they're still performing it, you know? Yeah. And and I just know from experience that's not the same thing. Like you are, you are not conscious. Uh, you're 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 sorry, you're way more conscious of the fact that you have an audience and that they're looking for a satisfying performance and story, especially critical roles, so story driven. Absolutely. So yeah, like there's a lot of differences. Yeah, I, talk to I, streamers- I think that's a
0: big reason as to why I don't jump into doing streamed games as often as as I could, because I I'm the lead I'm the laziest dungeon master in the world. Like I will prep three yes. things in my head that I've thought yes. about, you know, in the shower you know mm-hmm. th- 4 days the day before of- the event yeah, and then yeah. maybe <laughs> mull on a little bit and then be like maybe right. that'll happen i don't know we'll see i'll present it and then on during the session itself i'll just be like uh you know this happens
3: maybe <laughs> check it out and i'll
0: pull up some monsters and 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 that's about it um right. and that is i think you're right not a satisfying experience all the time for people who are expecting um you know that the the crest and fall of the falling action and everything each session yeah. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, which can be tough, and you know, I end up stopping mid mid battle and mid things all the time just because. All right, we're at our time. Uh, you know, we're all, yeah, you know, I, I, old people, so we have to go to bed at a certain time. <laughs> sure,
2: well, and I'm like, like I'm ending. okay with picking
0: that up again, but you can't do that on a stream game because you know it feels again like not a, a, a satisfying conclusion to an episode.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. ending on a ending early too, is like, we're at a really good stopping place. And I kind of want to cliffhanger you here. Like you can't do that when you're on a time limit, when you're on a stream. And so yeah. there's a, there's a lot of like, if I want to go, if I want to go like an extra three hours, cause we're all having fun or like we only did an hour and a half today, but it's because like we were all fucking around beforehand. And also this is a really good cliffhanger. All of those things, that's, those are, that's real D and D in my opinion. And so, yeah, that's there's that. a, there's a little artifice to it.
0: Um, yeah, and this and this has got to be fun too because it's a one shot, right? Like you don't necessarily have to have that that uh, uh, campaign in mind, right? You're just going to be like, oh, oh, yeah. I just got to have something that's fun you know, right. for two hours, but something exactly. that's a short, bite size, but gives each of the players a thing to shine, uh, exactly. and that can be a little bit freeing. Which as sounds even harder too, right? Actually. Yeah, I
2: mean that, <laughs> that can be freeing. It is very very tricky, and like that's that is to tell you that, like, that's, it. I think I think it sounds harder. However, I've never DM'd a campaign. I said, like, I'm, I have put those feelers out oh. there. I would love I would love to DM a campaign someday. Um, I'll go. I'm Can I, I, I be in it? Or are we yeah, not old cool enough in. now? Yeah. And I also, like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it now. I think we should probably not stream it. And that's maybe that's, <laughs> a, that's a mess. <laughs> Fine. That's a messed up thing to say on a podcast. Like, here's some content that we're making that's not for you. Get over it. But like, I, I just want to know what it feels <laughs> like to DM a game that's just for the people at the table. Just because the that's playing. the reason... I like Dungeons and Dragons. Is like the people at the table. Is yeah. and those are those are the ones that that I'm stressed. Like that. Like I said earlier, this comedian game. The fact that there's an audience doesn't matter. The fact that they're famous doesn't matter. None of that matters to me. It's just like I want those people at that table to have such a good time. And how do I how do I ensure that? Um, and that's like the perfect the perfect formula for an anxious brain to just perseverate and be like, how can I? <laughs>
3: How can I control
0: something that is out of my control? This improvisational game. Right. Well, Um, I think you bring up a really important point because a lot of folks that we talk to are content creators and they have to feel like everything they do needs to be content. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that can be very... uh, feeling like there's a weight on your shoulders, right? You're always making, always hustling, always doing stuff. And there's something really great about having just game night with friends that's not streamed and Mm -hmm. isn't content. The only content is the fun of, you know, the individuals at the table hanging out with each other. And that's really important because you can burn out so quickly uh, and, and uh, not focus on what's, uh, you know, those, those connections that can be important for people.
2: I know. And I've I've also experienced like speaking about or, or or taking pictures of posting games that were not streamed and -hmm. then the influx of like, where can I watch this? Where is this? Where has this been? Where is, where was the stream? Is this going to be live? When are you guys posting the VOD and that expectation, like that's, that's on us as content consumers. It's like, we have to remember that the people who are making content for us are doing it because it's a thing that they genuinely love for the most part, especially when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. So mm-hmm. like we all need to expect that those people want to do that for fun sometimes and not just for our entertainment. Uh, and our our yucks, you know, we we've got to yeah. we have to allow them to have fun. And I'm saying that for myself too, because like I, there are definitely content creators that like if they mentioned that they played a D and D game, and they didn't put it online, I would be like, what? <laughs> what? What, what is wrong you? with you? You're I want to laugh. It? I to laugh at your jokes, <laughs> but that's on that's on me. Look, that's on me. If you
1: yeah. want to play in a game that's not streamed. And you needed a person to be in it, I would be in it. And I would totally understand if I was invited and then Tiffany Haddish called and said she wanted to play and you bumped me. That's,
2: That's okay. I'll tell you what, I will just add Tiffany Haddish to the game. Uh, Tiffany and then Haddish then I would can die. Join. And then <laughs> me, the the player, and the character <laughs> would die. <laughs> so exciting. Um,
1: so, so do you think, especially with... The newer players, you know, out of this group, and maybe you saw some of this with the Comedians table last year and the Game of Thrones table, but do you think the, the players fully understand that the role of Dungeon Master is not an adversarial role and that they <laughs> shouldn't be coming for you or, like, trying to thwart your plans? <laughs> because I, my very first time playing Dungeons & Dragons... I did not know that the dungeon master was supposed to be on my side and also I don't think he did either cuz he did seem like he was coming <laughs> for us. But so it was like completely shocking the second time my second dungeon master that was like why are you trying to mess everything up here like I am on your side. Like, yeah. I, I want to give you magic items and help you succeed. Um but do you think that they Like, do you get a vibe ever from some of the newer players, especially ones that are trying to be like, you know, extroverted and funny and like create really exciting content that maybe they're
2: they don't get that role, the role player dungeon master? I think that that can be the case. Um, and I haven't experienced it too much, I think because of what I was saying earlier, which is that like, I run my games like a goofball. And so mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thinks that I'm taking it seriously. And so there's no, there's no victory to be gained in, in winning against <laughs> me as a dungeon master. Um, but I'm also slippery. Like, I, I think that if somebody tried to start like messing with me in the game, I just mess with them back. I hope like, will we'll, you know, it will be, totally, but I think that there is a an old school. I was just re reading this um, this web comic where th- someone has taken like shots of Lord of the Rings but put speech bubbles over them to make it sound like they're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And oh, it's yeah. an it's an older web comic, but it definitely has it was some on my like web,
0: my previous job's website uh, at one oh, point. Right? Oh,
2: yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, it's, and it's it's funny. It's but it's also like the, it expresses this disdain for the dungeon master um as like the chief nerd of the group you know and so I think there's like there might be some old school mentality around that which is that mm. like the dungeon master is a a like blow like long-winded bag of air that just wants to like ex- exposit and and go go on and on about you know whatever um so I think I think that can happen um I've definitely played with kids before who like decided that they were going to try to like make my life harder. Ugh. Um, and, and, uh, and see like, I, I think it's just normal kid stuff, like trying to poke at the fences, like a velociraptor where, where does this, where, where does this break? How can I break this? How can I become super powerful? How can I, how can I jump so hard that I go to the moon? you know? Right. Um, and it's, I think that the secret to that is to be like, okay. Yeah, you could try to jump in so hard that you go to the moon, roll a D20. Um, and if you roll a 50 or higher, then we can then you jump to the moon, you know? Okay. T- I um, can't
0: get to 50.
2: Oh. I guess you can't get to the moon then. You gotta work <laughs> on those jumping skills. But I think I I do think that that, that is that's like um a, a, a mindset. I don't I don't get that impression most of the time. Like fifth edition to me seems a lot more uh like based in the collaboration, and I think Critical Role has done a really good job of that. Like, I, I think that Matt Mercer has kind of obviously set the the platinum standard for so many Dungeon Masters out there. We get yeah. into that someday too. I think that's an impossible standard that no one should ever try to meet. Absolutely. But um, but I think that he does a really wonderful job of showing you that it is a it is a collaboration. Like you're, you are, as a dungeon master, you are the facilitator of the fun. You are not trying to frustrate your players. You're not trying to defeat your players. You're trying to make your players feel really cool. Um, that That's how I, that's how I approach it. And I, I do think that that is kind of the attitude that I see the most in games these days.
0: You know, what's funny too, is I've been, I did some classes. I never actually pursued this, but I was, I was doing um, some basketball officiating classes uh and because in my mind i was like oh this is kind of like dungeon mastering you're basically just (laughs) facilitating especially for kids you just want them to have fun in the game and teaching them the rules but you're not you're not taking sides you're not trying to uh you know get one team to win versus the other now then as you get older the ref for for sports can be more of an adversary and, and and you feel like they're against you uh even even if they're they're not but um, I like that mindset. I do like the mindset of, especially for again for younger kids playing soccer or playing playing uh, a, a organized sport together. That it really is just about the facilitator, as you said, like just mm-hmm. making sure rules are mostly followed, teaching them if they don't know the rules, and then uh, setting kids up for success or setting players up for success. And that you're right. That mindset has kind of shifted over the course of you know the history of Dungeons and Dragons, as well as here with Fifth Edition. And I think just streaming in general has shown that it's there's different styles, right? There will be the person who uh, or or, and the group that likes that kind of adversarial relationship, and that's fine. If you're a tactical uh, minded player, you might enjoy that. But then there's been so much more shown of the role playing and collaborative side of storytelling with streamed games. That so that's what I love about the whole streaming phenomenon around mm-hmm. Dungeons & Dragons is it shows that got ga- the gamut of like you can play any different style of game you want to try this you want to try this and you're not locked in to any specific style just because of who you're playing with at the time
2: right yeah and I I do think that there's a there's a lot of fun to be had in like the meat grinder format too where the whole point is like the dungeon master is trying to kill you over and over again honestly as a dungeon master it's not kind of therapeutic <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's also right where like, you don't have to
0: worry about the story and the improv. Yeah. You can just be like, hey, let's just play it and let's kill each other. Let's just play,
2: and I'm going to try to kill you with as many monsters as I can. That sounds yeah. kind of fun. But, but to me, the, the point of the game is not to like TPK. The idea of a TPK, except for like my joke TPK at the Game of Thrones game because it was like a Game <laughs> of Thrones joke because everybody, <laughs> everybody died in the end. Um, but the <laughs> uh, the idea of a, like a real TPK to me, so just to me, is. I me, mean, that would be like a failure for me as a dungeon master, especially if it like if, if everybody talked about it ahead of time, they're like, We're all ready to end these characters, we want to go do something new, whatever. Then that's fine. But if I like just in the middle of a session TPK'd my my entire party, I would view that as I were watching it happen and it was clearly not something that everybody agreed on. I don't, I don't think that's the point of dungeon, I guess, for sure. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it's mm-hmm. adversarial like that.
0: Although I would see that as a really fun challenge storytelling challenge right like what happens if i mean sometimes that happens you know uh, rolls occur and damage happens and i'm like i just rolled a crit and you only had one hit point left
2: right yeah i tend to lie Uh, let's see what happens about that like i do that yeah that's the dungeon master screen's function for me um like if if i if things are too dire and I roll really, really high on a monster. I will just lie about it because I don't. I don't want that to happen. I want them to feel like they're in danger, but I don't want actually anything bad to happen. You know, I'm. I'm just like I'm too soft. I'm too sweet. Mm. I, I just want it to be like a fun, light, happy time. Again, have never damned a campaign. Campaign might be a different story. I am. I am the queen of one shots. So. You know, trying to make sure everybody feels like they had a really good time. They came out feeling powerful. Maybe they even like that character so much that they want to play Dungeons and Dragons again. The last thing I want to do is kill their character. <laughs> right, as
0: the first experience that, that, is, as that the is first experience super shitty. They have. Yeah,
1: yeah, especially especially yeah. a kid, especially yeah. a kid. <laughs> like,
0: especially. Sorry, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. But I, I agree with you. If it is a campaign that you've built up trust and it's a friend mm-hmm. group, you know, this is your 400th session,
1: totally. and the
0: dice. For whatever reason, don't go their way.
2: That's a different story completely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Those
1: characters might get
0: real annoying after a while.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you again. Uh...
0: <laughs> 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 or they make some really poor choice. And you're like, well, I mean,
2: yeah, exactly. it's not even the dice.
0: It was it was yeah. your choice. <laughs> it's, your,
2: it's your dumb ass that did this to yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I like oh, you want to fight Tiamat?
0: Sure. Let's see <laughs> sure. what happens.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: We'll send and a Tarasque you your way. For her. Oh, man. Well, I hope you get a uh, and or Tiamat you. into this comedian's game.
1: Thank you. I'll do my best just for you. <laughs> I mean, somebody might get a cool familiar, it sounds like. You're yeah, open. Yeah, I got
2: a couple <laughs> of cool familiars in this game. We'll see, we'll see how
1: it goes. I think I feel worse when, when damage befalls a familiar than the actual player character.
3: <laughs> it was just,
1: just a little lover.
0: bat. <laughs> oh, my pseudo dragon <laughs> is burned. Oh, it's burned. Well, I'm excited. Uh, you know, uh, July 16th and 17th is when you'll be able to watch D and D live 2021. Um, and you know, look out for the comedians' game. Two hours yeah. of nonstop fun. Oh my god! Dungeon Mastered by Kate Welch throughout. Ooh. It's gonna be great. I can't wait to see uh, all of those cast members yuck it up with each other. Me
2: too. Me too. It's gonna to be a blast. Definitely um, tune in. And uh, there's other there's there's a bunch of great games going this weekend, right? I don't know what's been announced, but that, that weekend of the sixteenth and seventeenth, have we announced yeah. anything else?
0: Uh, we will have by the time this is out there. So hey. there's a uh, AP Bio game. There's the WWE Superstars playing together. Uh, Dungeon Masters by Abria Iyengar, which is gonna be yes. fantastic.
2: Abria is amazing. Um,
0: yeah, there's some uh, really fun stuff from uh, Matthew Lillard's Beelan Grimm's group. Uh, that is actually kind of similar to what we've been talking yep. about. It's basically a TPK uh, nice. show, in I which they create that. characters, improv yeah. the, the bravado of going on an adventure, and then they fight a a, a, a foe they cannot defeat. And
2: oh, that does sound we'll fun. Get some it glorious does.
0: deaths in there. Uh, hopefully, making it uh, funny for all.
2: Love that. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be a really fun weekend. I'm really nervous good. for you. Oh. Thanks. Thank so you're going to you, rock that help. it. I know. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. No, you're, I, know. I know your your to confidence yeah. means the world to me.
0: Thank you. All right, yeah. and then I'm. Uh, I think Shelly and I are waiting for our invite to your <laughs> offline game with Tiffany Haddish. So as right. soon as we get yeah, that, yeah, going, you got up, it. Uh, we'll, we're do. Ready. we'll
3: do. We'll do.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, Kate, for being on here. Thanks for dungeon mastering for these amazing folks. Uh, and gosh. Well, we gotta have you on again soon. We need some roll yes, some random characters. We well, need to oh have god,
3: you on when this hear. is
1: over, so we can hear what what you thought. Oh my god! I know the recap. The,
2: the debrief. After, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'll probably
0: need
2: a, I'll probably need um, both of you to be there for me, and also
0: alcohol. Oh. Yeah, I was just gonna say god. I will raise <laughs> I raise a glass. Uh, Thank you. Thank you So you, you commiserate and/or uh, congratulate uh, all of the goings on. Um, but that's one more wrinkle that we. I, 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 just one last thing. Well, actually, yeah. no, two more things. Oh, Does Bronwyn, uh, uh, Reggie Watts' character, still have his outrageous British accent? I
2: hope
0: so. <laughs> I hope so. That's. I mean, that's what we <laughs> want to. Good. That's what I want to that's, hope so because it made perfect. me laugh so much <laughs> last year, and I'm glad he's returning. Um, but the second thing is for that for that that improv game that you were talking about. If you just wanted to do like, hey, we made it all up. What yeah. if all the characters were just random generator, random
2: character generator? Yeah, yeah. yeah right but... before the session. For sure. I like that a lot. I like that so much. Because I think it would be such a good exercise to build confidence as a dungeon master. It's like, I know that I can do this because I do do whole games like this. So if if there's ever a moment where in a game I'm like, crap, I don't know what comes next. I've got that muscle built up. That would be such a good skill. I want all of this. Please. You got it. Just for you,
3: babe. All right.
0: We'll we'll do it. We'll make it happen.
2: Thank okay. you guys. So good
1: to see your faces. Love Thank you, Kate.
0: you so much for having me. Love you guys so much. Bye. Thank Give our love bye. to Tyler and congratulations. So Thank you. It was so great having Kate return to Dragon Talk. Man, I miss seeing her uh, you know, every day in the office, uh, yes, as well as just uh, you know, just being able to catch up.
1: She's a wonder, super talented, um, and she's gonna crush DD Live
0: again. Again. Crush it yes. and grind every single one of uh, those amazing, somewhat f- known and/or famous uh, people into dust. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh well, no, that's sad.
0: I mean, but very funny dust. It's going to be hilarious.
1: Funny dust that we can sprinkle all over
0: <laughs> and spread their talents uh, around. Man, that feels line. like a that feels like a hook of a D anD D adventure. Actually. That actually
1: is like kind of a, a sweet ending. You know. Yeah.
0: For like a, a villain who is, who is just eternally unfunny. And he's like, you must get all the funniest it's people in the world of, together and grind them in the dust.
1: And then sprinkle them. Like it almost feels like something that would happen in the Feywild. And Damn. then they plant seeds of like evil in the Feywild. And then Ooh. your job is to uproot all of the evil. Get it by the root. whatever. Chris Perkins, like stand back. I got this. I just wrote an adventure.
0: That's, That's all it, it takes, right? In your head. You got word, it. Word, words. Words, words, words. You, words, writer? words,
1: words. Anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Well, you could follow along all of our musings and writings. Uh, I am at Greg Tito on Twitter. What about you, Shelly Moo?
1: I am at Shelly Moo on Twitter and the Instagrams.
0: And then when you find out all the fun things that are going on for D&D, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com uh, You can download Dragon Plus to your ios or android device there's a new issue coming out right now get it while it's hot lots of great uh preview content in there as well as interviews with uh designers for upcoming products but of course you can get everything uh uh, that's on uh the dragon plus app at dragonmag.com as well
1: and you can sign up for the dungeons and dragons newsletter as well you can do that by going to uh, the website and there'll be a big call to action right there on that main page that says, you want our newsletter?
0: Drop your email here. That's right. Uh, and of course, shout out to uh, Ryan Marth and Lisa Carr, whose birthday it is today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday,
1: Lisa. Lisa. Uh,
0: and for making Dragon Talk happen. I'm so glad that so many of you got to see them and hear them uh, during our 300th episode. Uh, they're fantastic people and they make... This podcast happens, so give them all high fives and follow them, perhaps, on the interwebs. Huge. Do it. The do it. Do it. We're going to put their their uh, handles in the show notes as well. I think now it is time for Drunky Tissues. Shoes. All right. All right. Very
1: confusing what's happening here.
0: So you're in the north ward of Waterdeep. Drunkie uh, had been accosted by a doppelganger that was in the guise of her brother, Daryl, and defeated it. Uh, It killed itself uh, through a a, a poison. Uh, You brought it to a cleric to speak with dead uh, with a Harper friend named Samson, who's a fighter. The cleric stopped their... Uh, service to cast speak with dead uh, and the doppelganger had said there was a imminent attack uh, which confirmed the harper's suspicion that something is going on at the highest levels of government in waterdeep three doppelgangers attacked the chapel where that uh, ritual had taken place samson and you defended yourselves um, as best as could you cast a few burning hands uh, and uh, got into a bit of an altercation and then the return of Dr- uh, Daryl Two Shoes uh, came in and finished the job and you had your amulet uh, that you had acquired which uh, allows you to see through any kind of doppelganger uh, uh, transformations and you confirmed that it was in fact Daryl who had returned and he had said something along the lines that he had uh, been jumped and uh during the uh, run through the streets of Waterdeep, after you had been uh, attacked, and he comes in, and he's a bit confused as well. He's like, "Oh, what wh- where have you been? Been looking for you? I've been looking for you. What? No,
1: you haven't. I w- wasn't. I at, at the safe house. I never made it With to who the- I you thought was you. House. I
0: went there." You had already gone with someone named Sansa, and they said you were going to uh, this chapel.
1: Dude, I don't understand what's happening here, but can we just get out of Waterdeep? Can we just leave?
0: But Let's go they back need, r- shalt- They need our help. Oh, but they, do they... Have you heard? There's, there's these, uh, these agents are trying to infiltrate uh, and take out mask lords.
1: Why do they keep impersonating you, Daryl?
0: That's a good question. Why do they keep impersonating me? You tell me. I don't, I don't. know. Are you important? <laughs> well, I was able to get that amulet. I don't remember this. Amulet- maybe that's what they're. Maybe that's why they're after us. That they probably think that's the one thing that's going to thwart their schemes.
1: This amulet.
0: Yeah, if it's a magic item that anybody could wear that will be able to, uh, you know, see through their illusion, their identity. Yeah, I mean,
1: well, it's mine.
0: Yeah, well, protect it, it, and I'm I'm going to protect it as well. What about well, you, Samson?
1: Yeah, Samson's coming with us. He's my friend now.
0: And Samson says that is correct.
1: Thank you, Samson.
0: As a Harper, uh, we're all we all have the same tasks here to uh, protect Waterdeep's interests.
1: Okay, so I I'm not really familiar with Waterdeep or Waterdeep's interests or the Harpers or any of this business. I'm kind of a lone ranger over here, except for. <laughs> My brother, I thought you were a sorcerer. Yeah, good one. Um, <laughs> however, so I don't. What do you want want to do here? Do we have to go fight some more people?
2: What do? Uh,
0: can, uh, Samson looks at uh, Daryl, and Daryl says, "That's what Mert asked us to do: was to head to this uh, safe house, get more information, and then uh, figure out the next uh, step." Um, but I think we should go to the. Uh, castle Waterdeep and uh, tell Laryl, Silverhand, and, and, and whoever will listen to us uh, that, that she's in danger She probably already knows She probably already knows, but maybe she knows what we can do to help
1: Fine, take me to the castle Daryl, I swear though, when this is over we're going, we're leaving, we're out of here <laughs> We're going back to our nice, simple jungle life
0: Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, drunkie uh, Maybe even I'll buy you a drink
1: no need. I take a big old swig. <laughs> uh,
0: both uh, Samson and Daryl rolled their eyes, but they start walking with you. It uh, said, Come on, come on. Uh, we got to hurry if we're going to get there uh, before any other doppelgangers show up.
1: Can I cast minor illusion on my amulet? Yes. To make it look like something that is different?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's a great idea. Thank you. Okay, so you use your cantrip and you trans What do you want it to look like?
1: Uh, right right now it's like a little. I think I said I felt like it like was an amethyst. With purple or amethyst eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a a dog, like a okay. a little jade dog.
0: Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you cast that on uh, your amulet. Uh, you'll need to kind of re up that. Uh, it, but from right now it looks good.
1: Okay. I, I also have it tucked d- under my clothes, so it's not—it's not just like
0: out there. Good call. Uh, okay. Well, we'll end it off there. You guys are heading off to uh, Castle Waterdeep.
1: Sounds wonderful. We'll
0: see what happens next. Yay! Yay! Thank you. I, we didn't roll any dice in that session, so I'm just going to have to say, you got a five. Sorry. Oh.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So
0: you mistakenly pass wind uh, as you're as you're going through the city.
1: Oh, that's not a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) You mistakenly think it was a mistake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your 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 ventriloquism (laughs) skill has allowed you to make it sound like you had passed wind.
1: I can make it sound like Daryl passed
0: wind. Ooh, okay, so that's good. That's what you do. And Samson is just like disgusting.
1: That's my brother. He's so gross. (laughs)
0: Uh, she's done this trick (laughs) every time since we were two
1: it's true
0: (laughs) alright that's awesome I love it bye everybody
1: bye bye thank you (laughs)